to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of your name. Pray that you would now give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to your church. We thank you so much. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, God is good all the time. All right, all right. Uh, let's try that again. I'm going to say God is good, and you can say all the time, and then I'm going to say all the time, and you say God is good. Again, let's try that again. God is good all the time. Okay, I hope you believe that. I hope you believe that to be true. I don't know what that means for you. Like, what does that look like for you to really believe that? Because I know that maybe if we're honest with ourselves, it might be easier for us to say God is good some of the time, and some of the time God is good, or it might be easy for us to say God is good most of the time, even if you're spiritual uh, and most of the time, God is good. For, for you to say, for us to say, God is good all the time, like even in my suffering, like God is good. God is good even when he doesn't make sense to me. God is good even when I'm sick. God is good even when my kids are sick. God is good even when I get that doctor's diagnosis. God is good all the time. Like what does that even mean? Because I think if we can be honest with ourselves, and I hope that we would be, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we have a certain idea and understanding of how God's goodness ought to look in our lives. God is good all the time as long as my life isn't too uncomfortable. I can deal with a cold or a flu, but I can't deal with cancer. That doesn't show me God's goodness very much. God is good all the time when I'm getting A's and sometimes B's. But once I get a C plus, I can't really say that God is good. God is good all the time as long as things are relatively peaceful at home. But when my kids start, when they start going off the deep end into things like X, Y, Z, I'm not sure if I can believe that God is good. If we're honest with ourselves, isn't there a part of us that believes that God's all the time goodness is, is true only to a certain extent, to the extent that it doesn't impinge upon the comfortabilities of our lives. Isn't that what most of us, let me ask you another question. What would it take for you to stop believing that God is good all the time? Like what, would that, what would it take for you to stop believing that God is good all the time, for you to let me lower that, that bar a little bit and say God is good some of the time. What would it take? Because if, again, we're honest with ourselves, you've been hearing me say this a lot, a lot of people who go to churches in America are one hardship, one tragedy, one disappointment, one unanswered situation away from leaving their faith in Jesus Christ. What would it be for you? What would it take for you to stop believing that God is good all the time? I think we hit on something. I, I was listening to a podcast, and the, the, guy, the, the lady was actually just kind of talking about life stuff. And in, in, in part of her journey, she was talking about how she was hiking up this mountain in, uh, in Washington State, in the Pacific Northwest. She was hiking up that mountain with some friends, and it was, it was a great big mountain. A lot of people had traversed that mountain before, and the, the stories that people tell once you get to the top are it's amazing, it's beautiful. Once you get to the summit, it's just otherworldly, breathtaking. Yeah, you got to get to the top. So it's kind of day that is, is um, pretty, pretty common in certain seasons in the Pacific Northwest. It's just raining, 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 raining. Like raining like crazy all up and down the mountain as they're hiking. Uh, their clothes are soaked. Their shoes are wet. Their socks are wet. They're feeling nasty. It's cold. It's just not 
a pleasant day for a hike. And as they're going up the hike, uh, that group of them are saying, hey, some of them, we've got to keep going, got to keep going. Everybody told us we've got to keep going. But about halfway through, um, it's just getting so nasty that they're like, I don't know if we can keep on going. And so about halfway up the summit, there, there was this little hut where you could stop for supplies and, and, and things like that. And so as they're there, um, they're having this like serious conversation. Do we keep going or do we stop and head back down? And as they're talking, uh, they pull out their phones. They're like, let's look at the forecast. And they see that the forecast is calling for rain for two more days. Like, we got to go back. Like, it's just not worth it. So as they're talking, there was this man who'd been up and down that, that mountain uh, many a time. And he's like, you can't go back. And they're like, dude, we, I, I know what people say, but this is awful. Like, we, feel, we just feel nasty. We're terrible. Um, we just want to get back down. And he's like, this is actually the best time for you to go. They're like, dude, look at the forecast. They show them their iPhone. Look at the forecast. This is, this is terrible. And he looks at it. He's like, this is an amazing forecast. This is the most amazing forecast. He says, as you walk up from this point upwards, there will be tree canopies that line the way that anytime it's raining, they will keep you dry the entire way up. As you walk along, you will see the waterfalls are going to be, they're going to be so full of water and just pouring and and just gushing out. That's the stuff you come for. You look in the valleys and they will be lit up with color. said, this mountain comes to life in the rain, right? Rain is what brings this hike to life. You can't go back now. This is the best possible forecast. He convinced them, and so they went up the mountain, and in this podcast, she's saying, this is the best decision that I've made in years. I would have missed out on all of this glory had I turned around right there and gone back down. What what, what was she saying? Here's what she was saying. We almost missed out on so much of the goodness because we thought the goodness was found in the comfort. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us equate the goodness of God with the comfort of God, that as long as life is comfortable or as long as life is manageable, as long as life is what I think it ought to look like, then I will be able to testify to the goodness of God all the time, as long as it doesn't push me too far out of that. But you and I know the truth of Scripture, and you and I know the truth of life, that so often God's best work happens outside of the place of comfort. You know how much you've grown, not through times of of ease and comfort, but in those moments of, of, of testing and adversity and hardship and challenge. You know what the Chinese people say, that you learn so much more through a funeral than you do through a birthday party, and you know people who have gone through the hardest of lives who testify to the goodness of God in ways that your life and my life could never begin to even dream had we not experienced the same kind of difficulties and hardships. What's the point here? A lot of times we think the goodness of God is found in a certain place, in a certain way, but what the Word of God and the story of Scripture and the story of humanity and the story of history says tells us is that the goodness of God is seen in so many ways other than what we think it ought to show up as. And so what I want to do today is I want to open up just one verse in Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 2, and I want to give you five 
after Christmas gifts, if you will. Right? Some of you felt like, man, this year, because we've been doing this Advent conspiracy thing, I didn't get anything for Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'm going to give you five amazing gifts that we're going to open up, and these gifts are not just something that's going to expire real quick, but they keep on giving. Book of Deuteronomy, very parallel to our situation. Important book in the Older Testament. It's the book that Jesus Christ quoted from more than any other book in the Old Testament. Three times when Jesus was tempted, he quoted from the book of Deuteronomy. It's a book of transitions, and as we transition from one year into the next, I think this is a great place for us to look because in it we see so much of our story mirrored in the true story of the people of God in Israel. Just like them, we have been delivered from slavery, them from Egypt, us from sin. Like them, after that deliverance, we've been given a law, the word of God, in order to drive us forward in life in the same way that the law was given at Mount Sinai after the exodus, after the delivery from slavery. And like them, we're on a journey through the wilderness as we await the promised land. And here we are today, about to enter a new land filled with promises, 2020. And what I want to do is I want to bring us to look back at where we've been and help us to see the goodness of God in such a way that it will move us forward with anticipation and hope for that which is to come. I'm excited. I don't know about you. I didn't, I, I was not like Kenny coming in saying, hey, Christmas is done. I'm ready to, I'm just, you know, in it. I'm not like, I came in. I was so excited for today's worship. I want to end well. I want to give my best unto the Lord. I want to give my best to you. And I pray that today you would give your best to the Lord in the hearing of God's word. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7. This is the word of God for the people of God. It says, The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast desert. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you, and you have not lacked anything. Let me read that one more time. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast desert. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you, and you have not lacked anything. This is God's word. As we look into this verse, again, I just wanna, I'm going to bring out five gifts that we're just going to open up one at a time to help us to see how God has been good to you and how he's been good to me in this past year. It doesn't matter. Can I tell you? It doesn't matter what your year was like. Okay, some of you have had an amazing year. You, you, you welcomed a new member into your family. You got married. You got promoted. You got, uh, you got a raise. I don't know what it was for you that was awesome. You moved into a new home. You moved into a new city, new church. All these great things happened. For some of you, it was a hard year. Some of you, you had to say goodbye to someone, whether because you had to bury them or because you moved away from them or because something happened relationally. Some of you got bad news at work, got bad news in a relationship, got bad news in terms of uh, a medical diagnosis. I don't know what this year has been like for every single one of you. But one thing that I can be absolutely certain of from Scripture is that no matter what our year has been like, if you are a child of God, then you and I have lived in the land of God's goodness. And what I want to do today is I want to help us to see that and unpack that in order that moving forward you can see that there will not be a moment of your life, a day of your life, a second of your life where you're not living under the shadow of God's goodness moving forward as well. 
five gifts. The first thing is this. You see God's goodness. You know God's goodness. You have lived in the goodness of God. You see God's goodness through his provision. Okay, through his provision. Verse 7, first thing, the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. And then at the end it says, and you have not lacked anything. Understand clearly what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you have everything that you want because we don't have everything that we may want. God's promise was never that you will have all of your deepest wants fulfilled. There are certain parts where he says, yeah, I will give you the desires of your heart, but what he's not saying is that everything you want, I'm going to give to you. Everything we want may not be given to us, but we have everything that we have needed in order to make it to where we are right now on December 29th, 2019. Every, all I have needed, thy hand hath provided. That God has given us everything that we need. I know it's easy for some of us to think, well, you know what, you might say that, but it's because I worked hard. You don't understand how well I take care of my money. You don't understand how financially savvy I am. You don't understand how much I grind at work or how hard I work at school. Look at what he says. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. Do you think there are some people who have not worked as hard as you who are not as blessed as you? Do you think there are some people who are not smarter than you who don't have the things that you have? The Lord has blessed you in all the work of your hands. Malcolm Gladwell talks about um, the ecology of an organism. Understand this. He says, when you think about the tallest oak tree in a forest, the tallest oak tree doesn't come simply from the best acorn. What causes the oak tree to grow the tallest in all the forests? Sometimes you say, because they had an amazing acorn. He's saying, no, 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 no. An amazing acorn helps, but there's so many other factors that the acorn had nothing to do with that allowed it to spring to become what it is. It means that in its trajectory, no other trees stole the light of the sun from it. That acorn had nothing to do with choosing what trees grew up around it. No tree stole its sunlight. It grew in the perfect kind of soil to allow the roots to go deep and for the tree to grow tall. The acorn had nothing to do with choosing its soil and its richness and its fertility and its goodness. There were no critters, no mice, no bugs, no anything that ate away at the roots or that knocked it down before it grew to the way that it was. And there was no lumberjack who came and chopped it down before it became the tallest tree in the forest. The ecology of an, organism, of an organism tells us that there are so many other factors outside of our own choosing that allowed us to excel to the place where we are. In the same way, you and I may have the things that we have, but it's because the Lord has blessed you in the work of your hands, giving you things that you could not provide for yourselves. Yeah, the connections that you had. Yeah, you, 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 you made it to the top of, of your firm or practice, whatever it was, but how did you get those connections? Your resume just happened to be seen by a person who was favorably disposed and inclined to see that resume to put you in that school in the first place. All these things had to happen that were outside of your doing and outside of your will and outside of your choosing. You look back on your life in this past year, what are the ways in which you saw God providing for you everything that you needed, not everything that you wanted. 
At the right time, in the right place, God gave you. Maybe it was financial provision. You had enough to pay rent that month. You had the skill set to finish this problem set in order to get that grade, in order to get into school that year. I don't know what it was for you, but looking back on your life, if you stop and think about this past year, are there not moments of your life where you have not seen the provision of God so perfectly placed in your life, a right doctor at the right time, a right friend who said the right word at the, same, at the perfect time. And when you felt like you needed something that you didn't have, God was saying, I am, I was, I will be your portion, and I will be the very thing that you need in your life. At every moment of the journey in 2019, you may not have had everything you wanted, but all that you've needed God has given to you, and you have not lacked anything. That's the first gift we open up here. God's provision is where we see his goodness. The second thing that we see, not only his provision, but we see it in his protection. Look at what he says. Lord has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey. At every point of 2019, God has been watching over your journey. Has there been times this past year where you look back and you're like, oh my goodness, you know what? Somebody was watching over my life. Somebody was watching over my soul during that time. Times when you almost had a car accident. Times when you almost went headlong into a sinful relationship or encounter and you're like, man, somebody was watching over me. Like that's God's protection over your life. There's not a moment of your life. Can you imagine? Think about this. Okay, think about if in your life or any moment of your life that for a second of your life God withdrew his eye from you. All of the things that are assailing you, this world, your own flesh, your temptation, your sin, the enemy that wants to rob your soul of joy. If for a second of your life God took his eye off of you, where would we be? If God stopped watching over our journey, some of you, man, some of you, the best thing that happened this year is you got caught, popped by the police or you got popped by somebody, you got caught doing something, and that was God's divine favor over your life because had he not done that and you continued down this path, you'd gone to a very dark place. He's been watching over you. When I drop my kids off at school, uh, 10, 7, 5, Manny, Elijah, Elise, uh, I drop them off. Uh, our oldest daughter, Manny, she's in fourth grade. She drops Elijah off in the cafeteria where he waits with his friends until they go to the portables. And then she takes Elise, our kindergartner, to the kindergarten wing. And then she always says, Daddy, can you wait and watch me as I go up the stairs to where the fourth graders go? Right? I know some of you are thinking, man, fourth grade, are you kidding me? But uh, I love doing it. Um, because when she's a senior in high school, she's not going to say, Daddy, can you watch me go? So I'm going to do this as long as I get to do it. So I'm watching through the windows of the elementary school. A couple other parents are there, and they look at me, and they're like, you have a kindergartner? (laughs) It's like, I do, but I also have a fourth grader, a fourth grader, and she's walking up the stairs, and she's walking up, and and she's looking back every 10 seconds, and she's waving, and I feel, oh my gosh, you're going to trip, just keep walking, just keep walking, keep walking, and I'm saying bye, and and I remember I've been doing this since the time she was a kindergartner. I said, Daddy, can you watch me go? And as I watch her, I realize that as she enters into that vast spiritual battleground, that there are going to be a great many things that I cannot shield her from. 
She's going to be exposed to things in her eyes, in her mind, in her heart that I can't say, Manny, turn away from that. Don't look at that. And so as she goes and as she walks out of sight, I'm praying, God, you need to do for her. I'm asking that you do for her what I could not. Protect her. Protect her. Watch over her from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet, from her mind, her heart, every part of her, her body. Protect her so that she would be, uh, that she would not be harmed by the things of this life. Does that mean that she's not going to go through pain? No. Pain is part of the growth process. And for some of you, the provision, the protection of God has come even in the midst of pain. I remember watching this, uh, reading this comic strip. This little boy was kneeling down and he was praying. He's saying, God, please, please protect me. And as he gets up and he walks away, almost immediately after, he gets hit with a rock on his shoulder. And he turns around and he's like, God, why? Like, why aren't you protecting me? Why did this happen to me? And then he looks up and he sees, he's this little guy, and then in front of him is this great big Jesus with his arms outstretched. And Jesus is getting all of these boulders thrown at this kid, and Jesus is standing in its path. And along the way, these boulders are breaking, and little pieces are flying around, and one happens to hit the kid on his shoulder, and then he realizes, he's protecting me. He's protecting me, and that a little bit of pain helping me to grow, to see and identify with the sufferings of my Savior. You look back on this life in this past year, how have you seen the protecting hand of God over your life? He's been there. He's been there, watching over you, not a moment of his life. What if God withdrew his sight from your life? We'd be in a completely different place now than we are. That's the second gift that we open up. The third gift that we open up is God's patience. You see God's goodness through his patience. Look at what it says. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. These 40 years, understand this. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, he says, this is an 11-day journey. In 11 days. You know what 11 days like? Think about we go on an 11-day mission trip. Okay, let's go on an 11-day mission trip together, can we? Imagine, 11 days, here we go, today until January 10th. I don't know. We go, 11-day mission trip. 40 years later, we're still on that mission trip. Uh, something didn't go right here. Let me put it another way. That doesn't seem like it's registering to some of us. Wives, you have a husband, okay? Your husband bought this furniture from Ikea. It's supposed to take 11 minutes to set up. 40 days later, he still hasn't done it. He's still trying to figure it out. What would you say to him? Uh, Okay, hey, in 11 days, in 11 days, um, let's get engaged. I'm going to propose to you in 11 days, girlfriend, okay, in 11 days. 40 years later, he still hasn't done that. What do you think? That's crazy. Do you stay with him? I don't know if you do or not, but I, I, I wouldn't if I was you. Eleven days it was supposed to take from here to there, 40 years later. God was patient with them for all those years. 
Haven't there been times in your life? God, I'll get to this. Just give me two weeks, two weeks. Two weeks, I'm going to overcome this sickness. I'm going to overcome this temptation. Two weeks, God, just give me two weeks and I'm going to deal with this situation. Give me two weeks and, and, and I'm not going to struggle with this anymore. And here you are 40 years later. And yet through every one of those years, God has remained patient with you. All those times when you said, God, I'm not going to do this again. God, I'm not going to go back to this sin. God, I'm not going to be like a dog going back to its vomit. I'm not going to go back to it. And you've gone back to it over and over and over. And yet God's met you, not with condemnation, not with anger, but with patience. You know, when you, an 11-day thing turns into 40 years, what is that called for somebody who's walking with you? That's called suffering, right? And the word for patience in the New Testament is long-suffering. That God has suffered a long time with you, yet he did not consider it suffering. He's patient with you. 2 Peter 3.9, why? He's not slow in keeping his promise. He's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's his desire for you and for me. Why has he been so patient with us? Because he wants us to come to repentance. If God hasn't smitten you by now because of your sin and you're here, you look back on this year, you realize that you're living in the goodness of God. As, um, as, as men of God, Dennis Rainey says, there are four stages of manhood. Right? You're a child, and then the, the, that stage between childhood and adulthood, you know it's called adolescence. Adolescence is where a lot of our middle schoolers and high schoolers High schoolers aren't typically, that's a season marked by selfishness, like trying to find myself. But from adolescence, you move into manhood where you begin to take responsibility. You begin to care for other people. That's called becoming a man. The next stage is mentoring, where you begin to invest in other people. Begin to invest in other people, believing in other people. And then the fourth stage is when you become a patriarch and you begin to leave a legacy for a generation. We need to be progressing through these steps. But a lot of times we go back to our adolescence and we become selfish and we become self-centered. And yet how many times does God exercise unending, ceaseless patience with us? Because he loves us, because he's good, because he cares for us, because he wants us to come to repentance in order that our lives might be used maximally for the glory of God. The third thing that we see, we look back on this past year, and we see we've lived in the goodness of God when we look at the patience that he's demonstrated to us. The fourth thing, we see God's goodness, you see God's goodness, I see God's goodness in his presence with us. These 40 years... The Lord your God has been with you. No matter where you've been from January 1st to December 29th, there has never been a day of your life this past year that God has not walked with you. No place you've gone this year, no matter how dark, how dirty, how dank, how disappointing, how depressing, how deadly, no place you've gone 
that God has not gone with you into those places. No mountaintop you've been that God has not been there jumping up and down, rejoicing with you. No sinful place that God was too afraid to go to to let you know that he was there with you. No point of despair or sorrow that God did not weep with you and taste the salt of your tears with you and was not there with a tissue to wipe every tear from your eye and to put his arm around your shoulder. There has not been a moment of this year that God was not with you. In the face of hardship, tragedy, pain, sorrow, loss, you can still say that I have lived in the goodness of God because his presence has been with you through depression, through anxiety, through fear, through sadness, through everything that you went through, the sleepless nights, the sleepless days, the anxiety-ridden situations of life. He's been with you because he wants you to know his goodness. I almost uh, hesitate to say this because I've, I've, I've shared this before, uh, shared these story, this story before somewhat recently, but a couple years ago, I was in, in California worshiping at a church on, on a Sunday during my sabbatical, and uh, I went into a congregation where the, uh, I was probably the youngest one, 41, 42 years old, I was the youngest one, 60, 70, 80 years old was the average age in that uh, Anglo congregation, about 100, 120 people there, and it was a very reserved service, worship, people were just seated, um, not much hooting and hollering, a lot of Hearing aids, a lot of canes, a lot of walkers in that place. As we're singing, you know, not many voices being lifted very high, just that's the nature of the congregation. There is one point in time where uh, the presider said, we're going to have a time of corporate prayer where if you have prayer requests, you can call them out from your seat. Say a name, say a person, say a situation. And they would call out these prayer requests. Um, My son's marriage is falling apart because of his drug addiction. Uh, my best friend, known her since I was five, dying of cancer. My son is wayward. He's running far from God, getting into a lot of uh, uh, bad relationships with people, and all these uh, things lifted up, and, 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 and the people of God are praying for them. And as we go on in, in, in singing songs of worship, um, we sang this song, and I... You know, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't know the song then. I don't know the song now. Uh, but I remember just looking at the words to it. And the, the song said um, something like, standing on this mountaintop, looking at how far we've come, knowing that with every step you were with us, kneeling on this battleground, um, seeing all the victories won, knowing that uh, for everything, you are our God, you are our strength, or something like that. And then it says, scars... And, uh, I don't know, troubles, sorrows, stars, uh, scars and sorrows line the way. Yet with joy, our hearts will say, never once uh, did we ever walk alone. Never once uh, did you leave us on our own. God, you're faithful. God, you're faithful. And I was looking at the words, and then as I took my eyes down and I looked at the congregation of 60, 70, 80-year-old people in that reserved congregation, Almost every single hand was lifted to the heavens as they were singing that. And I was just, I was messed up. Like, what do six people who've been walking with God? 
for decades. What do they tell? What is the gift that they offer to us? What do they? I'm walking into this congregation. They're not going to be jumping up and down. What can they give? Here's what they can give. They can give faithful stories and testimonies to the goodness of God that never once did we ever walk alone. And as they lifted their wrinkled hands to the heavens, and as they lifted their furrowed brows, and as they lifted their graying hairs, every, every discolored hair and every wrinkle was telling a story of God's faithfulness, of his goodness, that God was with me through cancer, that God was with me as I buried my husband, that God was with me as I buried my daughter, that God was with me through all of these hard news. He was with me in rehab. He was with me in the brokenness, with me in the pain. There was never a moment in my life they were saying that God was not with me. Never once did I ever walk alone. Never once did he ever leave us alone. God, your faith even when I'm not. Is that not our story in 2019? For all that I was unfaithful to God, for all the times that I compromised my heart for him, he never left me alone. He never abandoned me. He never gave up on me. He never said, oh, you did it again, but always met me with grace upon grace upon grace upon faithful, faithful love. It has not been the perfect year for any of us, but we can say that we have lived still in the goodness of God because his presence was with us. That's the fourth gift that we see. And then the last thing, if you cannot see it in these things. The last gift that we see is that we see God's goodness in his people. See it in his people. This was written, a sermon that he's preaching to a people of God, letting them know all of these things are true. And when you can't see it when you look above, you can't see it when you look inside, you see it when you look at one another that here's where I see God's provision, here's where I see God's protection, here's where I see God's presence, here's where I see God's patience through my house church, through my friends, through my wife, through my family, through the community of believers, through our youth ministry, through our SNF small groups, through all of these places. This is where we see in ways that we may not be able to see. We see it in his people, the goodness of God. Can I... I can't tell you how much I was longing to come to worship God with you this morning. Can I tell you? I I just wanted to worship. I couldn't wait to be with my people to sing of the goodness of God together. Like it's every Sunday it's like that. Sometimes it's because I'm like, dude, I've got a word and I've got to share it and I want to light these people on fire. A lot of times that's it. But can I tell you, the other half, (laughs) the other half of the time it's like, God, I've got a word that I need to bring out. But God, I need people to come, and I need, to, I need them to come and light my world on fire too to remind me that God is awesome and that he's worthy and that he's here and that he loves and that he is worthy of everything that we could ever give to him. I need the people of God in such a desperate way. And every week when we gather, man, this is like life to my soul. It doesn't matter how I come in. I always leave saying, man, this is God's goodness to me. Like, this is God's goodness to me. 
I hope and I pray that you would see in your lives, no matter what this year has been like, that you'd look back and you'd say, you know what, no matter what's happened, wow, this one little verse is showing me how much God's goodness has been running after me. Because the reality, it's not just in 2019. You can go back even further. You could go back your entire life. You could trace these things. You could see God's provision throughout every stage of your life. You could see his protection through every year of your life, his patience, his presence, his people at the right time. Last week, man, we heard this amazing testimony by a brother named Young who was talking about all of his life, 30-some years of his life, through the passing of two sisters, through the passing away of his father, through the darkness of depression, through suicidal thoughts, through just no purpose in life, through all of these brokenness, seeing that in every step of the way, that God was calling his name, providing, protecting his people, all of those things, until finally he heard him calling him to come back to the heart of the Father. All of our lives, he has been faithful. All of our lives are testimonies to the goodness of God. You look back on it, you will see it. Hey, Olivia, my wife, said, hey, but... Why would you stop at those things? What about his peace? What about his promises? What about his... You can go on and on and on and on. There is a veritable... It's not Santa Claus. It's God's bag filled with presents. You could just keep on taking out where you see his goodness manifest to us. But maybe it's still hard for you to see. Maybe a vision of all of the pain and brokenness of this past year keeps you from being able to open up these gifts. Can I tell you that from even before your life, we could trace back a little bit further because there's another place outside of Deuteronomy 2.7 where God's provision and his protection and his patience and his presence and his people all come together and it's a place where no one would expect to see the goodness of God. All of God's goodness, all of God's goodness, all of his favor, all of his wonder, all of his character collide together in the clearest way at an old cross on a hill called Calvary where the Son of God was given as the ultimate gift born into our world. He is the provision for our sins. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the provision of God is life in Jesus' name by faith in him. The provision of God, that's where we see his provision. That's where we see his protection from our own selfishness, our sin, our folly, our stupidity, our sinfulness, and ultimately from death. Protection comes at the cross of Christ. His patience, endless, endless patience demonstrated because the infinite Son of God, how eternally worthy of condemnation are we? This is how eternally worthy because the infinite Son of God took our punishment, the only Lamb worthy. This is where the promises of God, the peace of God, the purposes of God, all of that come to a head and it's where the people of God ultimately gather together and kneel. It's at the cross of Christ. 
You need to see the goodness of God. You can look back at 2019 and you will see the fingerprints of God all over it. You look back on all the years of your life and you see it, but in those times when you doubt it the most, go back to an old rugged cross on a hill far away and you will see once and forever for all time. You may not know in this life why God allows you to go through the things that you have gone through. But one thing that the cross tells us is absolutely certain, it's not because he's not good. It's not because he's not good. It's not because he doesn't care. It's not because he doesn't see you. And it's not because he doesn't love you. He would, in fact, subject himself to the very same thing that he, put your, he, he, that he allowed you and I to go through when he saw the death of his own son in order to show you and me how much he loves us and how good he is. As, as I look back at 2019 and I see God's goodness all over our lives, here's the most exciting thing to me, is that if that's who he was in 2019, that's who he's going to be in 2020. He's not going to fail us. He's never failed us. He's not about to start here. In Psalm 23, 6, it says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Literally what that means is that surely his goodness and love are chasing me. You want to you get rid of 2019 and move on to a new year? Can I tell you? Don't run being chased out by your shame, your fear, your failure. Here's what's chasing you. His goodness is running after you. And if you run into the new year, run knowing that his goodness is going to catch up to you and it's going to meet you and it's going to tackle you and it's going to surround you and it's going to be there for all the moments of this year to come as well. I am so excited for this year, not because of the great things that you and I are going to do, but because God's goodness is going to meet us there and his goodness is going to push us into that place and we are going to live in the goodness of God. Let's pray together. Let's take a moment to pray to God. <coughs> Just give thanks to him for the ways in which we saw his goodness in this past year. And let's pray with faithful hope and expectation that God's goodness is going to meet us and drive us and lead us into this year as well. Let's pray with hope and faith in gratefulness as well as in expectation for what God is going to do. Let's pray for a minute or two as our yeah, just sign of, uh, just as our commitment, our worship, our adoration, our devotion. Yeah, let's commit our hearts to the Lord God in thanksgiving and in worship. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have been so faithful to us. Not just in the past 360 plus days of this year. For all of our lives, you've been faithful, and you've never stopped being faithful and not stopped being good because you cannot deny your own character. So we pray that you would help us to believe it when things are going great and when things are going poorly. Lord, help us to believe and live under that massive shelter of the sovereign, loving, powerful goodness of God. As we continue to worship you, would you receive our worship? And may our, uh, the expression of our gratitude to you be a pleasing aroma 
in your eyes, in your ears, in your notes. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.